Welcome to the Bird Life Podcast. My name is Adam and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. This is episode 59 and today's guest is Dr. Melissa Whitecross, the Landscape Conservation Program Manager at BirdLife South Africa. She is going to tell us about some exciting events that BirdLife South Africa has planned, including the Learn About Birds conference that will take place at the end of May. Melissa has been on the podcast a few times now, and I know that if you had listened to any of the previous episodes that she was on, you know that she is a phenomenal guest. As always, The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes as well as the Birdlasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. We are proud to welcome One on Heli to the Birding Life Accommodation and Guide Directory. They are a four-star, nine-bedroomed bed and breakfast situated in the coastal town of Umtanzini on the KwaZulu-Natal North Coast. Be sure to check them out on the directory, and if you would like your accommodation or guiding feature on the directory, simply send an email to info at thebirdinglife.com. So, let's get into today's episode. Hey Melissa, it's good to have you back on the show. Was I think last year we had you on the show, you've been on the show a few times. I think last time we spoke about Vakastrum, but it's good to have you back. Thanks so much, Adam. Always good to join you guys on The Birding Life and uh, wonderful to be back again. I just was saying before the we started that it's interesting that the conservation conversations, a little bit of tongue twist, I have to say it carefully, has been running for about the same amount of time as the podcast. And it's been amazing that it's nearly, it's been more than a year that you've been running that that project already. And I just think it's amazing. I, I actually, when we we gave you guys the Wednesday Wonders um, accolade, the reason for that is so many organizations are just sitting back and just saying, there's nothing they can do. But what I really want to applaud you guys for is the fact that you guys are stepping up and doing stuff, even in this difficult season. Shame. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, I, I couldn't quite believe it when the, the year mark rolled by. And it really was just a a spare of the moment decision. We knew we couldn't get out there and talk to our members in person. And uh, our CEO, Mark Anderson, very kindly gave me the freedom to launch this crazy webinar series. And I'm very proud that we've managed to air 50 episodes so far. It's been very diverse. I've personally learned a huge amount. And I think it's been a wonderful platform to really showcase the diversity of things that BirdLife South Africa is involved in. And also just educate people about birds, birding and conservation. And thank you for all the support that your podcast has shown to us. And I think it's great to see how far both Conservation Conversations and the Birding Life podcast have come in this previous year. So well done to you guys as well. Oh, you guys are an awesome organization. We are passionate, passionate about you guys. But I was reading earlier on that you guys are going to be giving up a night on the twenty on Tuesday, the 22nd of June. You're going to be giving up your Conservation Conversation Nights and the 2021 Isle Awards event is going to take place. Tell us a little bit about the Isle Awards. What is this event all about? Yeah, that's right. So we, uh, we're doing a virtual Isle Awards as most of our events have uh, taken shape this year. We've moved into the virtual space. So the Owl Awards are essentially a platform that BirdLife South Africa uses to say thank you and congratulations to organizations, individuals, um, and companies that have gone the extra mile for bird conservation. And it's really an opportunity for us to, to showcase our supporters and the individuals out there making a difference for our birds. And that can be either directly through our BirdLife South Africa project or just in their own capacity. So we've had, I think, 10 awards so far. They started back in 2009. Uh, We unfortunately didn't have one last year. COVID um, didn't allow us to do that, but we've managed to make a plan this year. So this will be the 11th round of our awards. And there are three sort of categories. You've got your Eagle Owl Award, your 
Normal Owl Award and the Owl Lit Award for youth in South Africa that are making a difference in conservation. So it's going to be a lot of fun and I'd really encourage everyone to tune in. And then going forward, you know, I don't know if, if the nominations are closed for this year, but this might be more applicable for next year. How do people nominate people to for an Owlet or an Owl Award or an Owlet Award or an Eagle Award? How does the nomination process work? Mm, absolutely. You know, great question. So our human resources manager, Dr. Isabel Human, collates all of the nominations. And that can come from anybody inside BirdLife South Africa or one of our members. Um, you can write in to um, Isabel and she will then collect the nominations. We generally put a call out uh, sort of in March of each year. And if you just watch our website and our social media, if you'd like to nominate anybody, you can just get in touch with Isabel and she can forward a nomination form to you. And then there's a little uh, blurb that you fill in and it goes through to a committee. They decide on the year's uh, awardees and they are then awarded their owl awards at the ceremony which normally takes place in June or July. I just think it's actually fantastic. I was speaking to someone the other day, which is really cool for us birders, is that in terms of bird conservation, that you know we have one of the best conservation organizations championing our cause. And it's just, it's amazing the work you guys are doing. I'm often, I'm just blown away again and again, just following you guys on, on Facebook and Instagram. You guys are having such a tremendous impact. I'm absolutely blown away. And if anyone's listening right early on, I'll say, you know, if you are not a member of BirdLife South Africa, I don't know why you haven't joined this organization yet. They're doing an amazing work. Shame. Thanks, Adam. That's really kind of you. And yeah, we're not a huge team. I think we have less than 40 staff on our team, but it is absolutely incredible to see the diversity of projects and uh, the different conservation aspects that BirdLife's involved in, from policy right through to on-the-ground conservation implementation. So we're very lucky to do what we do and privileged to be able to lead in the bird conservation space. And it's certainly something we don't take lightly. We are a hardworking team and I'm very proud to be a part of this family. So I'm going to throw a question in which was not on the pre-prepared questions. You know, for somebody who, you know, we, we often get to see what the work that BirdLife um, South Africa is doing from the outside. And I've got to meet Mark Anderson. He spoke at our BirdLife Port Natal AGM a few years ago and really an inspirational person. It's such a, you know, a true leader. So as a, an insider who works for BirdLife South Africa, you know, tell us a little bit, what is it like working for BirdLife South Africa? Because, you know, you, you know, we spoke about the, the conservation conversations earlier and, you know, it's that kind of thing that just shows is it's an it's an innovative um, environment. It's an it seems like an environment where you know you guys are allowed to express yourselves. You know what what is it like working for BirdLife South Africa? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we're blessed in that the majority of us working for BirdLife South Africa are doing what we absolutely love. So I could almost argue that we don't work at BirdLife South Africa. We we get to enjoy our jobs and uh, work very hard at what we do. But uh, it's all for the birds and all for the environment. And we're very blessed to, to be able to do that. But certainly, I mean, depending on which position you're in, if you're managing a project that can involve a whole range of different tasks from fundraising to marketing to stakeholder engagement, right up through into the management levels where you're engaging with donors, trying to get people on board to support the work, managing the team, making sure everybody's got what they need to carry out the important conservation work that they're doing. And then, of course, there's the aspects like conservation conversations where we get to share that work with the broader public and, and really show people what we're, what we're up to and try and get more support for the work that we do. And I think it's, it's definitely a challenging industry to be in. I mean, conservation definitely comes with that uh, small spoon of reality that always keeps you on your toes and having to be dynamic. We know it's not easy times with COVID having affected a lot of the economy 
around the world. And that certainly made fundraising a challenge. But as you said, the beauty of working with a team like BirdLife, everybody is very passionate, very dynamic and very innovative. And every day is something new. There's new challenges to, to deal with. And we're very lucky to, to be able to have the means to innovate and create and do our best to conserve our birds and the environment. So you are the Landscape Conservation Program Manager at BirdLife South Africa. Um, tell us a little bit about some of the conservation projects that you have been personally involved in over the last couple of months? Sure thing, yeah. So I started back in January 2020 as the new Landscape Conservation Program Manager, and I get to oversee a team of nine really, really passionate people, and they are spread out across two work streams. So the first work stream is the Protecting Species work stream, and that is very much aimed at our more charismatic threatened birds. So as you know well, Adam, I'm a huge secretary bird fan. And that has sort of been one of my flagship projects that I've been extremely involved in over the last couple of years at BirdLife South Africa and continue to be very intrinsically involved in as we work to protect these recently uplisted endangered species. But I also get to do a lot of field work when it comes to tracking our birds. So last year we were able to fit trackers onto not just secretary birds, but southern banded snake eagles. And I think I actually chatted to you guys about that in one of your previous episodes. And I also got to join in on our vulture project. So Linda Fundenheva is doing some incredible work looking at the impacts of lead on young vultures. And she's managed to fit tracking devices to five birds in Dronfield Nature Reserve. And we're hoping to deploy a whole range of new trackers later this year. And she's been testing how lead really does impact these young birds when they're trying to get off the nest and sort of live their new lives. So some really, really exciting research on the species side. I've also been able to go get my feet wet in the wetlands with the white-winged plucktail project and help Dr. Carl Lloyd with his monitoring work of those elusive white-winged flufftails across the Dahlstrom wetlands. And then moving over to our protecting ecosystems work stream, which involves much more site-based conservation work where we engage landowners in the grasslands and the estuaries of South Africa. And we've got an amazing team of dedicated conservation officers spread out across South Africa, up in Dahlstrom, in Van Rennen at the Angula Pump Storage Scheme, where Karina Pinar and Stephen Sakhang are doing incredible work with our Angula partnership that is shared between Middlepoint Wetland Trust and ESCOM, as well as BirdLife South Africa. And then down in the Western Cape, where we've got Dr. Giselle Murison doing some awesome work in the estuaries, making sure that our estuaries are conserved. And I think what's been really interesting on the, the habitats space in the last couple of months is that we're now moving away from just declaring new sites to actually looking at that post-declaration period and supporting our landowners who have committed to conservation and making sure that these are not just paper sites that have been declared for their conservation value and then forgotten about. We want to actively engage with our landowners and make sure that they continue to manage them in ways that support conservation. And we're very proud of our partnership with Conservation Outcomes in KZN, where we're doing a lot of stewardship work and really looking to make sure that our post-declaration support continues. The last time we had you, we actually spoke about the Southern Bandit Snake Eagle, the, the fact that you put the trackers on them. So since that time, has there been any data that's come back in? Yeah, so we, we've had some exciting uh, developments. And one of the, the most interesting ones, I think, is that our male bird is very much holding his territory and hasn't disappeared. He's sort of living within a, about a two kilometer radius of where we initially fitted the tracking device and he is staying put. So from our perspective, trying to count these birds and figure out where they are, we're quite excited because if they're not moving around too much, that means we can start monitoring them and getting a better handle on what is going on with these 
birds. Unfortunately, our female bird seems to have got her feathers over the top of her device, so her date has been a little bit more spotty than the male, but she is still in that northern Mtanzini range and very much still in the area. So some exciting stuff coming and hopefully we'll be able to share some insights into the, what the birds are doing on a day-to-day -day basis as that data gets analyzed by Christian Brink, our new raptor and large terrestrial bird project manager. It's actually crazy that they so they have such a small range, but you can go to Intumzini and they are so difficult to find at times. It's amazing. It is amazing. They really are elusive little birds, which is why it's so great that we've got the types of technology like trackers that allow us to keep tabs on them without having to try and run into them on a day-to-day -day basis. And uh, it certainly made conserving these species much easier because we can have really scientifically robust information to work from. I don't know if we asked this question last time, but you've got to see some really amazing birds. But what is a bogey bird that you have not seen yet? <laughs> I think I told you this one last time too, and it remains. The African grass owl has eluded me. I continue to search for it and it continues to evade me, but I will continue my quest. <laughs> Well, when you come down to KZN, we've got a really good spot for them. So let us know and we will take you and hopefully get you a... Fantastic. Yeah. It's crazy because we've got another guy I know that his his bogey bird is a finfoot. And, you know, we'll go out birding and we'll see two in the same day. And every time he comes with us, we don't see it. So I'm not going to make a promise because we see them every time when we go to this place. But, yeah, we don't want to promise you in case we take you and you don't get to see it. So... Hopefully we can we can make that a <laughs> So um while we are doing the shows we want to chat about some really exciting events that are coming up for BirdLife South Africa. And the first one we're gonna chat about is the Learn About Birds Conference or the Lab Conference. We'll refer to we'll refer to it as the Lab Conference from now on the podcast, which is coming up at the end of May. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of this conference? Yeah, absolutely. So the Learn About Birds Conference started back in twenty fourteen and that took place in Drakensberg. And the whole concept behind the Learn About Birds conference is really to enable our young researchers and scientists that are in the ornithological field, so the study of birds, for those of you who don't know what ornithology is, uh, it gives them a platform to come and present their work to each other and share it with the wider scientific community. But we realized that a lot of our members at BirdLife South Africa are not necessarily scientifically inclined. So despite partnering with the uh, Fitzpatrick Institute of African Ornithology based out of UCT to hold the science lab aspects of the conference. We also were able to put together what we've called a layman's lab, which is aimed at our non-scientific members who still enjoy learning about birds, but not necessarily the hardcore scientific aspects. So those two aspects run in parallel as the bigger lab conference. And we've had five, well, this will be our fifth one coming up now, but we've had four previously. The first one, as I said, was in the Drakensberg back in 2014. We then had a very successful one in 2016 in Kruger National Park, and I was lucky enough to attend that, not working for BirdLife South Africa yet, but uh, a year later I started my career with them, and I was part of organizing the West Coast Lab back in 2018, which was a lot of fun down in Langabon, and we are now moving into that virtual space with our fifth lab conference. So before we chat about what's coming up at this year's conference, um, you, you spoke about the fact that there's two streams. There's the Science Lab and the Layman's Lab. How accessible is the Layman's Lab? Is it going to be, so if somebody's a new birder and they, they've, they're new to birding, 
will they understand what is going on? So Layman's Lab is absolutely meant to be for anybody and everybody. The, the, the topics that are discussed are not overly technical. They're still very interesting and they are presented by some of the top scientists in the world. Uh, Professor Phoebe Barnard, for instance, is one of our speakers and she's one of the leading climate scientists in the world. She'll be tuning in all the way from America to give us her talk. But it's really aimed at educating people about aspects of birds that they maybe haven't thought about. So we'll be having uh, Temidayo Osinubi, who is an amazing um, postdoctoral fellow from the Fitzpatrick Institute and has done some really exciting work on intra-African migratory kingfishers, the woodland kingfisher. So he's going to be sharing his insights into the story of these woodland kingfishers and giving a little bit more of the background to what these birds' life cycles are all about in a very accessible way. So you don't need to be a hardcore scientist to enjoy these talks. And those of you who have watched our webinars, Conservation Conversations, it's a very similar style to what you've seen on the webinars. So very much accessible to anybody and everybody. And we hope everyone will tune in in the evenings for the Layman's Labs uh, conference sorry lemons lab talks <laughs> and then for the science lab for the the more intelligent species amongst us what's going to be covered in that kind of thing <laughs> right so science lab is going to be taking place during the day and it's very much in the format of a typical scientific conference for those of you who have attended that type of event for those of you who haven't it's typically made up of 15 minute talks by scientists from across South Africa and the world, and they will be sharing some of the latest research. It is quite technical and very much aimed at a scientific audience, but it's still by no means um, preventing anyone from tuning in and listening. And who knows, you might just learn something about the many, many birds that we have here in South Africa. And we've got some exciting themes this year, spanning from thermoregulation to seabirds, as well as urban ecology and even forest birding. So there's going to be some really interesting talks on offer and we're really looking forward to this year's suite of lab talks. So chat us through the logistics of the event. How's it going to work? What times are we looking at and how's the event going to work? How can people register? Tell us a little bit about the, the logistics around this year's lab conference. Absolutely. So lab's going to run over uh, two days. So the 27th and the 28th of May. And it's all going to be done through the Zoom uh, platform. So those of you who've been using Zoom for meetings and webinars will be using the Zoom platform. We have our registrations taking place through Quicket. So if you hop on over to BirdLife's website, which I'm sure we can give you at the end of, the web, of this uh, podcast, um, you can just jump onto our events tab and you'll find the Learn About Birds conference page. And if you click on register, it will take you through to the Quicket platform. And you will be able to register either for Science and Layman's Lab as the sort of total package, and that'll cost you 800 Rand. Or you can sign up for just the Layman's Lab content, which will be taking place in the evenings. There'll be a lecture at 5 o'clock and a lecture at 7 o'clock, South African Standard Time. And those four lectures will take place two each on the 27th and 28th of May. And that will also be through the Zoom platform. So anybody who has uh, registered will be able to then get the Zoom links and they can hop on through and attend the content um, throughout the day on the 27th and the 28th of May and then into the evenings if they're going to watch Layman's Lab as well. We've also got the Canon South Africa Photography Workshop taking place on the 29th, which is a nice addition to Lab. And that's going to be happening straight after BirdLife's AGM, which is also part of the bigger virtual flock event that Lab is linked to. And obviously what's really important is not just you're getting great information, but the money that is raised from this goes 
back into conservation, which is obviously very important also. Absolutely. So the whole reason we put all of this effort together is to help many of our landscape conservation projects. And the two that have been flagged for this year's conference in particular are our vulture conservation project, as well as our birds and renewable energy project. So two really, really important conservation aspects that we're working on as the landscape conservation program. And we really do appreciate all of the support that has come through from our many members and attendees who've already registered. And just to note, Adam, that registrations for the event are closing on the 17th of May. So anybody listening must please try and get their registrations through before then. And another event that's coming up that's really exciting, we were a part of it last year, is the Virtual African Bird Fair. Um, that's taking place on the 30th and the 31st of July. And like the name suggests, there's going to be a virtual online conference. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there when they hear the virtual side of it. And I know some people are all Zoomed out from Zoom meetings at work and that. And they might be saying, you know, why can't it just be done in person? You know, it's going to be at Walter Sisulu. You know, it's going to be in the open. Why is this event being done online? Why not just do it in person? Yeah, great question, Adam. And I think we'd all love to do another in-person event. It's certainly been a while since we as BirdLife have been able to do an in-person event. And uh, unfortunately, given that it appears we are heading for the third wave of COVID in South Africa, we just feel as BirdLife South Africa, uh, many of our members are in the the older age bracket. It would be premature of us to have an in-person event at this stage. But certainly, as we move forward, We are hoping to be able to do a hybrid where we'll be able to still have the virtual aspect of the fair because we found that this has opened it up to a much wider audience for us, not just in South Africa, where we're now able to include people from the Cape as well as KZN, but also further afield in the UK, America, Australia, where people are tuning in to visit the the virtual African bird fair. And uh, hopefully next year, COVID pending and vaccine rollout uh, notwithstanding, we will be able to then bring everyone together at Walter Sisulu as has been done in the past and share all of those amazing in-person virtual African bird fair content again. So I went to some of the talks last year and was really well put together. So for those who might not have been to last year's um, fair, tell us a little bit about how the event runs and a bit about how the how, how, how the event's put together. How do people register? How, how, how does it? How does an online bird fair look? Sure. So we have partnered with a company called Participate, who are an amazing group of very techno-savvy individuals, and they have been able to build us our very own custom conference platform. And so as an attendee at the Virtual African Bird Fair, your journey will initially start at Quicket, where you can buy a ticket for the event, and you will either be able to buy a free general entrance ticket, so you'll just have to click and register to get your access code, and that will then take you through to this online platform, and you'll be able to engage with exhibitors, sponsors, the different uh, free talks that will be on offer. And you can click through all of the different aspects of the platform. It's very easy to use. We'll also be doing some walkthrough sessions um, with little online videos on our social media. So anyone who's feeling a bit nervous about coming onto a virtual fair, don't feel worried. We will be there to hold your hand and help you navigate the very easy to use platform. And what's also very exciting is that we've got some paid for content. So when you do click on the Quicket page, you'll see that you can also purchase access to some of the incredible talks and workshops that will be on offer. And we're just busy finalizing who the speakers will be, but I can assure you we've got some absolutely world-class speakers lined up and it'll be a hundred rand a ticket 
for each of those talks and workshops. And we are really, really excited to bring that content to all of you on the day. And I'm sure, Adam, you'll remember last year's quiz. We had a wonderful wind down quiz and uh, certainly a lot of fun for people to participate and test their general knowledge and bird knowledge. <laughs> it wasn't the easiest quiz. I know we were doing it. Oh, my word. It was difficult. I, I think you were like, I think you had like a bit of an inside knowledge because you did really well, suspiciously well. <laughs> what can I say? I, I work for the organization. <laughs> But but for those who, you know, you're speaking about the fact that you're going to have these paid-for talks. I know as uh, last year, um, Peter Harrison was the, the, the speaker who's going to be on the, uh, the Flock, to, Flock to Marion next year. And let me just say it was the most fantastic talk I've ever been to. I was absolutely blown away. For the next week, I think everyone I met heard about this Peter Harrison talk. And, you know, I, I just know that the, the level of speakers that you guys get in is absolutely fantastic. So I really... For anyone that's listening that is thinking about should I go to the free or should I pay to go, I really want to encourage you to you know go to the paid event because the the level of speakers that that come in are absolutely next level, and I'm I can't wait to hear who's going to be speaking at at the the bird fair this year. Yeah, definitely keep an eye on our, our social media and our uh, emailers. We'll be announcing those very soon, but. I can guarantee you that these are world-class speakers and you don't want to miss out. And I don't know how much you know about this, but obviously because it was the first year last year, there might have been a couple of technical hitches, things that, you know, they needed to be improved. You know, are there things that, you know, you've learned from last year that you're going to this year that there might be some adjustments and changes? Absolutely. And I think it's it's a real credit to the team. We pulled off the Virtual African Bird Fair in six weeks last year, and there were six whole weeks, but we managed to do it. And uh, when you're doing something that fast, you certainly can leave room for improvement. And I think we've given ourselves a bit more time to plan and prepare. And one of the things that we're really looking forward to taking more advantage of is the live networking lounges. So as you can in other more uh, human form conferences where you are all present in your physical forms. There are networking lounges where you can meet up with other people attending the fair and have a little interaction with them where you can actually switch your cameras on, chat to them, catch up. So we're hoping that everyone attending the virtual bird fair will take the opportunity to chat to each other, meet up with friends who they haven't necessarily seen for a long time and come join us. It's going to be a hell of a lot of fun and there's so much to see and do on that platform. So I'd really encourage everyone to to get involved. And then in terms of sponsorships, are you guys looking for sponsorships for it? And can yeah, can obviously people can contact you? Are you look guys looking for sponsors for the for the bird fair this year? Absolutely. We're always looking for sponsors and we have several different uh, sponsorship packages that people can look into. Um, obviously our premier um, platinum package is a twenty thousand Rand package, which gets your logo pretty much all over the entire fair and lots of exposure. There's also a gold sponsorship package, which is valued at 15,000 Rand and a silver package at 10,000 Rand. So anybody looking to sponsor the event, um, if you'd like your brand associated with the Virtual African Bird Fair, we have many, many attendees and they can get in touch with Tanya Coldwell, who is managing our sponsorships for us. And we're very grateful to her for her support of the sponsorship aspect of the Virtual African Bird Fair. And, and I think while I've got you on the show, just to say, you know, if you're listening and you might say that 20,000, 10,000 is too much, if you are a businessman or listening, even a private individual, you know, the Conservation League is, I think it's 3,000 rand and up. And I really encourage people, you know, it's you supporting a, a, a great organization and, you know, get hold of BirdLife South Africa and find out how you can support them. And yeah, I mean, it's just, I know that the one thing about BirdLife South Africa, I know your money is being used in the right places. 
Yeah, thanks, Adam. And I think it's uh, having that unencumbered funding that comes through things like our Conservation League donors just allows us to really get everything done that needs to be done where there's no strings attached on how you use the funding or um, kind of pre-requested projects that you need to work on. We can put it towards all of the important projects that we've already set up and make sure that what needs to happen gets done. And I think our governance and our audit team are really fantastic at making sure that we kept on the straight and narrow and that money's going exactly where it needs to, which is into conservation of our birds and their habitats. So a huge credit to our BirdLife team for that. Now, another question I'm going to ask you now is more Andrew's side of things, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, you obviously have traveled a lot as a, as a birder, gone to different places, different lodges and B&Bs and that around the country. And I know this um, season, the COVID season, has been incredibly difficult for the, the accommodation as well as the guiding industry. And, you know, just as someone who has a little bit of experience, what advice would you give to places to navigate the season? Because, you know, we, we, you know, we want to see our tourism industry surviving this and especially we're talking to those in aviatourism what what recommendations would you give them to to best navigate the season until our international borders open up yeah sure thanks adam that's a, a stunker of a question but i'll do my best <laughs> um i think something that's been really impressive to me just watching some of my friends and colleagues who are guides or own lodges is seeing how they've really embraced the south african market and i know Historically, a lot of our, our bird guided operators have relied on that international market coming across to South Africa, but it's been wonderful to watch the local embracing that's taken place and getting South Africans out with really world-class guides who they typically wouldn't have access to um, and seeing how these, these lodges have really taken on the South African birding community and made sure that they are catering towards not just their needs, but also their, their sort of price range. It is challenging and obviously everybody needs to survive this, but I think given how little money is actually around at the moment, making sure that people can afford to still come and enjoy the facilities that are on offer and doing things that really cater to our local market is, is a brilliant way of, of surviving this. And it's really been encouraging to see all of these different lodges adapting to that sort of more local economy and seeing how many South Africans are now getting to go to these incredible facilities that they may not have otherwise been able to access previously. I know one of the places I saw on social media that you visited was Manyoni, and it's an absolutely fantastic place. I mean, I went there, and it's a place that I would never have been able to normally get access into, but, you know, due to the season we're in, I was also able to get in, and it's in such a, uh, an amazing place. Eh? Absolutely, and I mean, I, I was privileged enough to stay at Zebra Hills, and funny enough, uh, Gisela Ortner, who very kindly invited me along, won that trip through last year's Virtual African Bird Fair silent auction. So certainly a, an incredible trip to be a part of and what a special part of the world. We're, we're very lucky to work with Manyoni on our Vulture Safe Zone initiative and they are part of the broader Zululand Vulture Safe Zone, an important bird and biodiversity area. And it's just incredible to see the dedicated conservation initiatives that all of these different lodges are really stepping up and embracing to protect our birds in that area. And for those of you who don't speak Zulu, Manyoni means place of birds. And it really is an incredible birding destination. If you haven't been yet, I'd highly encourage going and giving it a visit. Uh, and Zebra Hill is an absolutely fantastic place to stay. I mean, if you're a birder, I think it's it's a place you've got to visit. Definitely, yeah. And I think it helps that uh, one of their directors happens to be uh, Adam Riley and a very dedicated supporter of BirdLife South Africa himself and head of Rock Jumper Bird Tours. So he certainly geared the place up for birders. And I'd highly, highly recommend a visit. Oh, and he's not a bad birder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not too bad. <laughs>
So, Melissa, we've spoken a whole lot about different things that are coming up and, you know, about BirdLife South Africa. How can people get information about this? Is there one place if they want to go and find information? How can they get information about all the different things that we've spoken about um, in this episode? Yeah, so obviously the easiest place is going to be visiting our website, www.birdlife.org.za. And uh, if you hop onto the website, there's a little events tab, which you can click on. And that will have most of the information about the events that we've chatted about, as well as much more linked to the Landscape Conservation Program and all of the other interesting and exciting projects that BirdLife South Africa is involved in. So definitely head over to the website and find out all about these different events. And obviously all of our typical social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, will have content on all of this too. So we'll pop the link in for the BirdLife um, South Africa website. But if you are stuck with any of them and you need more information and you want us to, to send you a direct link to one of these things we've spoken about, you can also even just drop us an email, info at thebirdinglife.com, and we will make sure we get the information through to you. So, Melissa, it's been so good to chat to you again, and I really appreciate you giving up your time. And I look forward to the next chat. Fantastic, Adam. Thanks so much for helping showcase BirdLife's work and our events coming up. We really appreciate the partnership with you guys. And all the best to you for your next year of podcast. I hope we can touch base again and see where we're all at in a year's time. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life Project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders, and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a laugh list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.